The Mariners got their first sweep of the year and their first walk-off of the year, thanks in part to Ty France, who is very good at hitting baseballs. We're going to recap the sweep, gush about France, and a whole lot more on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, April 25th, 2022, and this is the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day here on Locked On M's. We are free and available on all platforms. I am your host, Tidian Gonzalez, reporter and editor at allseahawks.com. Joined as always by my co host, Colby Patno. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D A N E G N Z L Z and Colby at CPAT11, that's CPAT11. Be sure to also check out our Patreon where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that if you are interested and if this is your first time joining us here on Locked On M's, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this and if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up. We greatly appreciate it. The wind was taken out of our sails the last time we were on here. The The Mariners had blown a 5-0 lead and a loss to the Rangers the night before, but they bounced back in a uh, pretty big way this weekend. We're going to review their sweep of the Royals and offer up our biggest takeaways today. We're also, of course, going to talk about Ty France after his monster weekend and maybe explore the idea of extending him. What would that look like? Matt Brash struggled again with his uh, with his control on Saturday. So we're also going to look over the, uh, the rotation and if the Mariners can live with him in it should be an interesting conversation. But let's talk about this weekend series for the Mariners against the Royals. They win all three games. They get their first sweep of the year. Like I said, Colby, you were at the ballpark on Friday and in that game, Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick led the way for the Mariners offense Four runs between those two guys with a couple of double or well, one double and a triple from uh, Jared Kelnick and uh, Chris Flexen was solid in this one. You were up in the, uh, in the stands watching him. What did you see out of Flexen? Um, yeah, it, it seemed like a better mix of stuff. He seemed to be working in the, the curveball and, and the changeup a little bit more uh, than he had in the past. Velocity, I didn't keep super good track of it, but it did still seem to be a down a tad. I saw a lot of 90s on the scoreboard. Um, you know, Flexen's typically 92, 93. Uh, I wouldn't call it an issue yet, but it's, it, it's odd. It's something to, to keep an eye on. Um, maybe it's intentional maybe it's it's not um but yeah you know that's probably as good as you can get from Chris Flexen um you know he's never going to be the guy who's going to go oh well very very rarely is he going to be the guy who will go toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander like he was asked to do uh last week but um yeah I think that's a guy who can keep you in the game uh give you a good opportunity to win most nights and and you know on a very rare occasion uh he can he can get after a mediocre lineup let's a lineup that is struggling right now but has some some you know quality major leaguers in it so um yeah overall i was it was pretty much more or less what what you know chris flexen was last year it was very similar to that so uh, nothing really jumped out positively or negatively um except for maybe the efficiency he was very efficient to get through his uh his six innings uh seven innings so 
Um, it uh, and it really it really did help the bullpen. Um, and thankfully, he did that because on Saturday they needed every every yeah. well, and yesterday the next two days they needed every arm they could get. So uh, Flexen's start probably a little underrated because he was able to get so deep and really allow the Mariners to have the bullpen flexibility they they did over the next two days and coming up on a uh, nine game and nine day nine game, games and ten day road trip. So uh, yeah, it, it was it was good. It was good, Chris Fleck. Mm-hmm. I nothing that I'm you know over the moon excited, about, but it, he was solid. No, it was absolutely critical, though, with the state of the bullpen. I had said this uh, when we were doing or when I did our uh, live watch along on the um, Truth of the Trident YouTube account. At the beginning of the game, I, I told, you know, the few viewers that, that tuned in and I appreciate everyone who did uh, come through that night uh, that uh, I, I wanted to see Flexen go deep in this game. And I thought he should have gone eight, quite frankly. I, I was a little, but again, there was also, you know, uh, it was going to be the fourth time through the lineup for him and, and all that. So, you know, there's, there's obviously reasons for that, but me personally, I, I probably would have sent him out there for, for eight. Cause the pitch count was good. He was looking solid. He was moving along, only made the one mistake to Salvador Perez, who again was pretty much the lone source of offense for the, uh, for the Royals for the most part. And yet they continued to insist on, on pitching to him. Julio Rodriguez really impressed me in this series. The strikeouts were still there, uh, but he had the big double to get the scoring going on Friday. He had the game-winning walk on Saturday, and he had a uh, really good catch yesterday in the uh, in the top of the ninth after Hunter Dozier tied things up. There was another ball that was hit deep into the gap. I forget who hit it, but he ran that ball down. He also stole some bases. That was he came up big in the series. It still wasn't a fantastic series from Julio, but it was a pretty big step in the right direction. And honestly, at this point now, just kind of seeing where both of these guys are at Julio, Julio looks a little bit better than Jared Kelnick. Is that concerning to you? Do you agree with that sentiment as well? Mm I think it's easier to forgive Julio's struggles uh, because there's been so much attention paid to his fortunate luck with just terrible umpiring. Um, Sure. But overall, I honestly don't see that big of a difference in the approach uh, of Julio and, and, and Jared. They're still, you know, taking pitches they should probably swing at. They're still, you know, they're chasing not necessarily balls, but they're chasing pitches they can't do a lot of damage on. Um, and they're both getting to these O2 counts um, in, in very similar ways. So um, I'm not concerned about either of them right now. Uh, Kelnick had his moments again in the series. Sure. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's kind of right now it's, it's a kind of a one step forward, two steps back type of thing for, for Kelnick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had his, had his moments. Um, uh, by the way, the uh, the throw in the extra innings last yeah. night or yesterday afternoon, 92 miles an hour to third base. Um, I think Kelnick looks pretty good in right field. I, I know that's Mitch's yeah. spot, um, and they're probably going to move Kelnick to left field a majority of the time when Mitch is healthy. But Kelnick sure seems pretty comfortable in right. So I, I maybe would see if Mitch is able to play in left. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's Julio is – Def, again, he continues to look 
uh, more comfortable, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and over his last 10 games, you know, he's hitting 263 with a 349 on base. Um, not much power has showed up yet. A couple doubles here and there, but nothing to uh, no mammoth home runs. No, you know, nothing like that. Nothing mm-hmm. really even that close to home run. Um, yeah, but, uh, no, I, I still think that, you know, Julio and, and Jared, they both are facing kind of similar problems right now. I think Julio gets a little bit more of a break though, because again, he doesn't have as long of a track record as Kelnick does at the majors. And, uh, because there's a lot of emphasis placed on Julio's, um, uh, unfortunate luck, uh, on those yeah. kind of, and let's l- and be let's generous just, and say borderline pitches. And let's just call it for what it is, right? He's more of a fan favorite than Jared is. Yeah. A lot, lot more fans in the Mariners sphere gravitate towards Julio than, than Jared Kelnick. That's just kind of right. how it's gone. Um, Personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jared, though, you know, the big triple, of course, on Friday. And then, you know, he might have been one of the reasons that they ended up winning the game yesterday, even though that he had an awful at bat with a chance to <laughs> uh, to win that game uh, in extra yeah. innings. He uh, but. To throw out what was it, Ben Attendee uh, yep. at, at third? Um, it was already four to three Royals at that point. That would have been what, first and third with no one out or one out? One out, I believe. And I mean, the, the Mariners weren't going to score two runs the next inning. So uh, there's a pretty good shot that, that Jerry Kelnick saved that game for the Mariners uh, with that throw. So that was huge. Um, a lot of big moments in uh, in yesterday's game uh, overall. I mean, Matt Cook and Johan Ramirez holding the Royals scoreless in the 11th and 12th innings. That was massive. That was incredibly massive, especially for two guys that you have really no confidence in whatsoever heading into that uh, into their appearances. Uh, for them to, uh, you know, and especially Ramirez had to uh, walk the tightrope quite a bit. Bases loaded. Control was not fantastic, but he still got a pair of strikeouts to end that inning. And again, gave the Mariners a chance to, to win this game because they had fumbled an opportunity the inning beforehand where they had, you know, Cook obviously held the, the Royals scoreless. All they needed to do was push run one run across the plate, and they were unable to do that. Uh, Cal Raleigh and, and Jerry Kelnick with some rough at-bats. Rough at best, yeah. <laughs> Keldick especially uh, chasing those uh, those fastballs up outside of the zone. Um, Raleigh's yeah. was really bad too. <laughs> Raleigh's was really bad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it not, was not a good day not, for Raleigh as well. Yeah. No. Uh, fortunately, the Mariners are getting uh, some reinforcements on the catching front. Luis Torrens is back from the uh, COVID list. Mike Ford has been uh, DFA'd to make room for for Torrens back on the forty man. Still no update on Mitch Haniger. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but the Mariners don't play um, again until tomorrow in uh, in Tampa. So there's still time for Haniger to uh, to be activated ahead of the road trip. Uh, I would presume that that we will see him at at some point. Uh, no idea if Scott Service, Manny Acta, any of those guys are uh, going to be back as well. But um, yeah, Christopher Negron, what what would you uh, before before we hop on over to our next segment? What would you uh, if you had to give a grade to Christopher Negron in his first what has it been five games as interim manager? Because really? the uh, the the pitching decisions, the 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 bullpen decisions have not been uh, the best. I would say. How how, how do you feel about Negron? with what he's had to do. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't even give him a grade because that is a collaborative effort. Uh, sure. Those decisions are largely made at, you know, pregame. Uh, you know, we sure. get in this situation, this is what we're going to do. 
Um, and again, so, and there, it's not like he had this, this vast bench to go to like for mm. basically the entire week, his bench has been Mike Ford, Dylan Moore and uh, Donovan Walton. Yeah. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really hard to, to give him a grade. Um, I'm tempted to give him a high grade just because he was able to dump the Gatorade on, uh, was it Ty yesterday or Jesse. Jesse yesterday? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that's pretty baller for a manager to do that. So, uh, I guess for that and that alone, I'll give it like a 65, 70, but like that is such a collaborative effort. Even when Scott service is there, that, that Scott is making decisions mm. based largely on things that his staff and his analysts have, have already agreed to hours before. So. Right. Right. Um, and that, that's and why Scott was Mar- obviously involved in the pregame stuff as well. via yes. Zoom. So, yeah. And that, that's why the Mariners are, are, you know, able to, to lose their manager and not skip a beat because it is a collaborative effort. Um, and uh, it, it, it shows more of the strength of the organization in game planning uh, mm-hmm. than it does, you know, the individual strength of, of service or Negron. But, uh, right. hey, it's cool, man. Negron was, you know, wearing a major league uniform three years ago. And and now he's got he's got a major league record and, and uh, it's, it's a pretty good one. So so it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. But I can't really give him a grade because it's 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 a collaborative sure. effort. Yeah. So he goes uh, he's gone four and one now. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good winning percentage right there for all uh, for all Chris and Gron. You guys 80, heard it 80%. here first. Ty is advocating for firing Scott Service. Clearly, clearly, that's exactly what I said. Hashtag <laughs> Ty hates Scott. <laughs> you get you're gonna get it going now. Um, all right. Well, the biggest takeaway from this weekend, really, at the end of the day, I mean, I got three words for you: Tyler Lawrence, France. Our next segment is all about him. But before we get into that, though, let me tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. With spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who do you like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. There are recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts taking fans through the season like no other network. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. Colby, is Ty France the best hitter in the American League? Because right now... By F4, he is 1.2. F4 tied with Wander Franco, of course, but he also has a he has the same WRC plus as Mike Trout, 235. The guy was incredible this weekend. Five for six on Saturday night. He had three hits yesterday, including a two-run home run to start the game off. I mean, this guy is just ridiculous, right? 
I mean, he was pretty good this weekend, but there were a few <laughs> opportunities he have that he didn't really take advantage of. So, sure. <laughs> I mean, like, like if, for example, he was so good that the Royals didn't even pitch to him in the 12th. And, like, mm-hmm. you had to put all that pressure on Jesse Winker just because he was so good. Like, that that seems unfair. But um, he's certainly the best hitter or certainly was the best hitter last week. I, I don't think that he's th- – I mean, I think we can all agree he's not going to hit 370 or whatever he's hitting now um, for the entire year. But, um, yeah, you know, it's – it's we shouldn't be so surprised. Um, and I, I, I don't know if we're surprised so much as we're mm. excited. Um, sometimes it's, it's tough to kind of draw the line between those two. Um, but, yeah, Ty France is – just a very, very good hitter. Um, we knew that last year, pretty much the only thing that kept him from hitting 300 with 20 plus home runs last year was the month of May where he tried to play through a pretty bad wrist injury and it, it and before he hit the IL and it totally impacted his numbers. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, the guy is that good. He's just an all around good hitter, uh, uses the whole field, understands his approach. He's got some power. We're starting to see it a little bit more. Um, like I said, I, I don't think he's got consistent 30 home run power, but I think he's going to hit some home runs in bunches. And, and, uh, I think he's probably still, you know, 22 to 25 home run guy, but mm. we'll see. Um, well, right now he's, the, he's tied for the major league league in home runs five and we're 16 games in. So, yeah, yeah. uh, we'll see, we'll see how, how, uh, how he finishes up. But I think one thing we can all agree on is that Ty France can really, really hit and yeah. Um, if Jesse Winker can get it going, uh, then the Mariners arguably have two, the two most underrated hitters in Major League Baseball, probably mm-hmm. hitting back to back, which yep. seems good. So, uh, yeah, it was an incredible weekend. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny on the road trip. You had like an O for ten stretch, and there were like six or seven of those at bats were just god awful. And yet here he is, just you know, small sample size and all best hitter in the American league, statistically speaking, like, and that kind of, that kind of summarizes the Mariners as a whole right now with their offense. I mean, cause they're right now the top hitting team in all of baseball from a WRC plus standpoint, which is kind of the all encompassing stat for determining who's good at hitting and who's not. So, I mean, right now, arguably, I mean, the numbers right now say that the Mariners are the best offense in baseball through the first 16 games of the year course you know it's very very early on but i kind of feel like ty france kind of represents the mariners as a whole right now and you know because right now he's not striking out at all it's 10.8 percent clip he's walking pretty much at the same clip he's getting on base i think he's third and on base right now i mean the mariners for the most part are dominating dominating the uh the obp categories right now and um I mean, just everything that he does, his his approach, the 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 swing decisions, the his ability to not only you know hit for uh, gap power and over the wall power, but to also slap the ball the other way. We saw that a couple of times in this game as well. His ability to hit it up the middle, all this. He's just a complete hitter. I mean, he's everything that you would want out of out of a guy who is a just a pure hitter. And then on top of that. It's pretty good first baseman too, and really, I mean, you look at his F four right now. He's a one point two F four guy. That honestly would be probably a lot higher. He might be in the major league lead 
in F4, if not for the fact that he plays first base because Fangraphs in general is just not kind to first baseman in general from a defensive standpoint. They have him at a negative 2.3 defensive rating right now, and I can't think of a play where Ty France looked bad at first base this year. So not really sure where they got that, but also in the year that Evan White won the gold glove, he had a negative defensive rating as well. It's just first basemen are kind of frowned upon from a defensive standpoint by Fangraphs' standards. So, you know, that ultimately is reflected in his F4, but quite frankly, I mean, you, you just, you look at the numbers, you stack them up against any hitter, even the likes of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. right now, he's either better than or at least equal to the best hitters in the game right now. Will that continue? Probably not. There's going to be some regression there. But this is the kind of dominance that we saw from Ty France in the minor leagues as well. Remember, this guy in 2019, I believe, hit nearly 400 in AAA. It's just, that's just mind-blowing. That's stupid. That's just ridiculous. So my question to you is this. Because I was asked about this yesterday, and we even talked about this a little bit in our, our private conversation on Twitter. What do you think about extending him? Because he's got three years left of control. He's going to be ARB1 next year. Mm-hmm. So technically four years of control if you're including this season. But three years of control after this season. He'll be 31 when he hits free agency. If you think that Ty France is still on an upward trend here, if maybe this Ty France is more in line with what we're going to get over the next five, six years than what we saw even last year, do you want to get out ahead of that and maybe buy a couple years of free agency? I mean, if you can, but if I'm Ty France, I'm going to be kind of an older first time free agent. Um, and if, if I think I can continue to hit like this, at least somewhat close, um, then I'm probably going to get 20, $25 million a year. Right. Mm. So if I'm France, it's like, I'm, I'm willing to, but if I'm going to sell you some of my, free agent years and what's probably going to be my last shot to get a a huge contract just because unless he's Freddie Freeman, you know, first baseman don't exactly rake in a ton of money in free agency. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. Um, It's, I I think, you know, again, the three year, there's really no rush to get it done. Um, But the Mariners like Ty France, uh, he's only 27. Um, so I feel like maybe if he's willing to do something like, so you, you want to buy out probably at least two years of free agency would be my guess. Um, otherwise it's not really worth it to explore right now. So that's a six year deal. Um, he's going to make 700 K this year, probably about three, 4 million next year, depending on how he finishes up. Um, you know, then probably let's just go eight and 12 for easy math. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's 25 million over the next four years. And then you want to give, let's hypothetically, he wants $25 million per free agent year. Are you giving him six and 75? I mean, maybe right because now, you're paying him up front. Maybe it's, it's six and, and 68 or something like that. Well, he, here's the thing too, right? Is like Jerry DePoto and his team, had coveted Ty France for so long. Yes. They finally got him, and he's really good. And it seems like he kind of embodies everything that the Mariners want to be about. And that's exactly what we talked about with the J.P. Crawford extension. That if you put in the work, if you 
come to the ballpark and you, you know, like I said, embody what the Mariners want to be about, you will be rewarded. And so for me, I, I think maybe the Mariners have have seen this coming. And at that point, I mean, if they think, if they truly believe that this is who Ty France is or something at least close to this is who he truly is and who he's going to be over the next five, six, seven years, then I think you make that move. And I think you bank on it. And I think you give them that money. But, you know, the the other side of the coin, and, and this is what you were alluding to earlier, is and what you also talked about with, with JP's situation as well, you don't have to rush it. And, I mean, that's a fairly big risk. This is, you know, the, the other side of the coin here is the very big risk of giving Ty France and committing 25-something million dollars to him five years down the road because we don't know he could suffer an injury he could just regress flat out there's a lot of stuff that could happen in five years time you know so there's also the possibility that he regresses defensively at first base and he's just a full-time dh do you want to pay a full-time dh that kind of money like the these are the things that jerry depoto and crew have to consider here before making such a commitment but I think from their perspective, just knowing how they feel about Ty France, I wouldn't be surprised if they made this happen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also some concern about Ty France's swing. It's not the prettiest swing in the world. There are a lot of moving parts to it. Um, there's a lot of load and timing involved. Um, and if that slows down, then sure. obviously that, that might not age well. Uh, but France is pretty adaptable. He's a student of the game. Um, he can tweak his swing and it's not that he doesn't generate bat speed with the swing either. So, um, you know, he he can make adjustments there, but that is something else they're going to have to factor in, um, as well. So to me, I look at it and I say, look, if I can get France for, I probably want to get six years because I want to buy out two free agent years. Otherwise that extra year of free agency, I'll probably just play it out and, and, you know, wait a year or two, um, before I try it. Um, but if I can get two years of free agency at about, let's say, twenty million dollars a year, um, mm-hmm. then when I'm then I'm interested, and that would take them to right about six years, sixty five, sixty six million dollars. Um, and at that stage, does France do that? Mm, probably not, but it's probably going to be pretty tempting for him, um, mm-hmm. because like so far right now, he's made about a million and a half bucks. In his major league career. Yeah. And he's 27. So, yeah, exactly. So um, we'll see how it works out. Uh, I I think they're interested. I, I don't. It does seem kind of like he would be the next guy. Um, unless, you know, Julio's willing to sign that eight year, $95 million, $100 million extension, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right now, it seems like France is probably the next guy because the Mariners don't really have that many guys who are pending free agents who they seem likely to try to extend. Um, yeah. Adam Frazier is kind of it. I like, I don't believe they're trying to extend Mitch Haniger. I don't think they're working on a Winker extension right now, but maybe they are. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much just Frazier. And then it's a bunch of guys who are four or five years away from free agency that they have to worry about. So we'll see. And Hey, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one like mini, like maybe it's an extension. Maybe it's not type of thing. What about Paul Seawald? What do they give mm-hmm. him? Like kind of an Andres Munoz level type of deal. 
Sure. Uh, How old they, is they Paul now? Off. 31? Uh, 31, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So something like, you know, four years. I think he's got four years of club control left. Um, so some for Paul, like five years, $8.5 million. You know what well, I mean? Just, and talking about someone that embodies who the Mariners are, right? Right. Paul Sewell. He's a leader. Yeah. Despite being a reliever, he's still a, re- he's still a leader. Uh, he's got three years of club control left. So why not give Paul Sewell four years, $2 million per yeah. Um, $3 million per or whatever. And then if it's if he gets hurt or he's bad, it's 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 like the Evan White trade. It's like the Evan White deal where you're like, yeah, oh well. Yeah. Bummer, but it doesn't really matter. Well, speaking of the pitching, Matt Brash has been one of the most fun pitchers to watch when he's on. The problem is he has been all that on since his first start in Chicago. How much of a problem? Is that we'll discuss in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar, and it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are low-calorie, high-protein, so replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories with 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs. Meanwhile, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, and they have so many amazing flavors to choose from, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. And at Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. So go to built.com, try one for yourself, try a bunch for yourself. Use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. Again, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order at built.com. So Matt Brash struggled again with his control on Saturday. And uh, it was, again, like we said the last time Brash pitched and the last time we were on the show talking about Brash's performance, the control to be generous was uh, 30 at best. It was not good. Um, How long do you think the Mariners could survive having this kind of Matt Brash in the rotation, assuming that he's not able to bounce back? Um, I think they can survive a little while longer. Um, but I don't think we're talking about, um, you know, July here. I don't think we're talking about middle of June. Even I think we're talking about two or three more starts, um, that without, you know, pretty drastic, uh, changes, um, in results, uh, they might consider doing something and maybe it's George Kirby. Maybe it's not. Kirby's looked pretty good. Um, still has some things he needs to work out with his, with his breaking stuff. So, I mean, it's, I don't know if he's particularly ready, but I, I, one thing at least I know about Kirby is that he's going to throw strikes and he's going to give me a shot to win the game. And I don't know if I can say that about brash right now. I know the Mariners haven't lost, um, on days that he's pitched. Like it's not, they lost the first start, which is actually when right, he looked right. the best. It looked the best, which is, right? Which, which is, is crazy. <laughs> it is. Um, but, you know, like I, I know that the, the Mariners have technically won the two starts he was bad in, but did he really give them that great of a shot to win? Mm-hmm. No. Against the Astros, it was a lot of, you know, luck, basically bad mm-hmm. luck. Um, Double and this, plays. This, yeah. And then this time around against uh, Kansas City, it was, it was, 
Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It it was bad. Um so yeah, I just I think they can I think they can go I think they will go a little while longer with him. Um but I when I say a little while, I think I mean maybe two times through the rotation, maybe three. But if he's still throwing out their 35 control, like at best being generous 35 control, mm-hmm. then I think they will make a move. And I don't know if that's going to be Kirby, but it seems like he's probably the most likely guy um, that they would that they would go to. Um, and then I would assume they would send Brash down in that scenario rather than stick him in the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a possibility they just add Brash to the bullpen, or maybe they go a six man rotation. You know, we 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 don't really mm-hmm. know, but I, I think. I, I think it's premature to say that like Brash is on the hot seat, but I don't feel like the Mariners are going to give this version of Matt Brash a super long leash going forward. And if he's taxing the bullpen every five days because he just can't throw strikes, then you have to do something to protect uh, to protect your pen because it's a very it's a really important part. Um, thankfully, he's sandwiched between guys like Marco Flexen and and Ray who have given you innings for the most part this year um but it's just it's too much of a burden to place on the bullpen for a guy to go out there and walk you know five six guys and only get through four innings on 85 pitches mm-hmm. it's it, it's just too much for some guys so i feel like i would say if we're not seeing drastic improvement over his next three starts i think the mariners would strongly consider making a move and and i think it would be kirby I guess it could be Sheffield if he's still around. Um, but my guess is it would either be Kirby or an outside, uh, outside the organization addition. But uh, yeah. Frankie yeah. Montas still hasn't been traded. So yes, May- maybe the A's lower on their asking price. The, l- the longer yeah. this gets dragged out, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, but, maybe it's somebody like Daniel uh, Ponce de Leon who they picked up and as a minor league sure. free agent, maybe it's Tommy Malone. Who I believe is still in the organization. Yeah. Maybe they go with a spot starter for a couple of days, uh, for a couple mm-hmm. of turns through the rotation. Um, but I don't think Brash has a long leash. I, I think you know his next start is against Miami, correct? Yeah, um, on Friday. On Friday, and mm-hmm. so that's not a. That's not a. They are striking out a ton. Yeah, they're striking yeah, out a ton. There's they're six right now in strikeout rate, twenty five point one percent of the time. So. That lineup is not is not. You know Houston Astros level, but I mean Jazz Chisholm is still a really nice player, and Brian Anderson can hit a little bit. Uh, you know it, it's Alvisel Garcia, um, so there's still some guys. I think Corey Soler. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully he can go five. It's not even so much like if he walks three or four guys, like okay, but how did it look? You know what I mean? Like sure, were they close pitches? Because a lot of the times against Houston and Kansas City. He wasn't close to the zone and, and guys were just going up there and just taking the off speed stuff because it had no shot of being a strike ever. So it's, he just has to have more competitive at bats and I think he will, but I think he's on watch. I wouldn't say it's the hot seat quite yet, but I think, I think the team is, is monitoring the situation and I think they will be fairly aggressive um, mm. in making a change if they feel like it. Well, also look at the position that you're in right now. You can't really uh, afford to wait this out too, too long because you're not a rebuilding team anymore. You are a competitor in the American League right now. I just, uh, 
like obviously, you know, we're 16 games in. I'm not saying that they're competing for the division or anything like that. I'm not getting ahead of myself here, even though that they are first place in the division. Kind of sounds, and, kind of and sounds they, like it. And they're in a three-way tie for the best record in the American League. However, I, I'm just uh, even even though that I think they're more in line with you know contending for the wild card uh, for one of the wild card spots. I just think that you can't let something like this linger on for too 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 long uh, because you need to get quality starts every time throughout the rotation as much as possible, especially with the way that the the bullpen is right now. We would, you know, guys kind of, you know, we're seeing a little bit of regression from some guys like Drew Steckenrider and there's been some injuries and you've seen what a couple of injuries or COVID diagnoses can do to this bullpen. It can deplete it pretty fast. And yeah, they, you know, have been able to survive for the most part here. But, um, you know, you, you want to try to to protect that bullpen and not rely on it as much as possible and do that by getting, you know, some consistent starts out, out of your guys in the rotation. And it's just right now, Brash is so boomer bust at the moment that it, it makes me a little concerned, even though I love him. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest Matt Brash stand you'll find. And uh, I'm, I'm saying this here that, you know, he might not be ready to go five or six for a team like this right now, just right now. Cause I I'm legitimately concerned about his start after the Miami start. Cause that's in Houston against the Astros in that glorified little league ballpark. <sighs> that's uh, the Crawford boxes and all that stuff that is legitimately concerning for me for Matt Brash. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see um, if, uh, if you can get things turned around here, cause that would be huge. If he can get things turned around, if he can get the control at least up to like a 40 consistently, <laughs> that would go a long ways for him uh, with that stuff. Cause he's the type of pitcher that can at least be effectively wild. I would think, <laughs> you know, so if he can at least be that, um, then the Mariners should be in a decent spot. I don't know about relying on George Kirby if it, you know, because that's it's another rookie. Even though the command and the control, all that stuff is a lot better uh, than Brash, I would say. Still a rookie, still still a guy making his you know first major league starts. That's that's a lot of uh, pressure to put on him, even as a number five starter. So I don't know. I feel like eventually we're heading down the path of going to the trade market. And whether that's Frankie Montes, whether that's someone on a lower tier, what have you, I think the Mariners might have to look outside of the organization to get their uh, their number five starter still. And and I think we kind of see why there was such an emphasis placed upon doing that from Jerry Depoto this offseason, even after they got Robbie Ray. So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Obviously, as a uh, Matt Brash stand, I would love for him to, to get things figured out. But it's uh, it's a little concerning right now. I'm not going to lie. That's going to do it for our show, though. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode as well. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. We greatly appreciate the support. Now make your second listen of the day. Locked On MLB. That's where Paul Francis Sullivan and Please Call Him Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues president pass it's free wherever you get your podcast just like us so have yourself a beautiful baseball day and uh, we will see you tomorrow peace